Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Tom, and I'm pastor of our small groups here at Rockbrook. And um, I'm just excited to deliver this message to you today. Uh, we're getting ready to kick off our, our small group semester next weekend, and, and so this message uh, will speak into uh, that, into our small groups. But when Ryan, Pastor Ryland kicked off this sermon series four weeks ago, the message was ti- uh, titled, The Light is Green. And so he used this illustration of beep, beep, you know, beep, beep, let's go. So that's just been ringing around in my head, um, which also reminded me of my own beep, beep story. And I entitled this, uh, My Pastor Kelly Beep, Beep. And so one morning, one Sunday morning, um, I'm driving down 58, I'm headed west to Mullen Road. And um, there's hardly anybody out on the road. The light is red, so I'm going to get into the left turning lane to turn left onto Mullen Road to come to church. Well, I realize that Pastor Kelly is in the left turning lane, and he's sitting at the red light. So I pull in there, and I get as close as I can to his bumper. So I'm, I'm in my truck, and it sits above his car, so he can't even see in the rearview mirror who's behind him. And I go, beep, beep. And he shoots out in front of the, in the intersection, and the light's still red. So I almost took out Pastor Kelly. Okay, fun time's over. Repent. Repent. You know, when we hear that word repent, though, some, sometimes some of us have... Uh, some negative images, some negative emotions tied around this word repent. I don't know uh, for you, but for me, the image that comes to my mind is this guy standing on a street corner saying, repent or you're going to go to hell. But Jesus says this over and over in the gospel, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when you really learn what repent means, repent is a life-giving word. It's a, it's a positive word because what, what Christ is saying is, I have a better way. Stop going your way. I have a better way. And then he says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but it's urgent. You can't wait. Beep, beep. We've got to get going. God wants us God wants us to have a better way. I think that verse is very fitting for this series we are in. It is time. God has a better way for us. But what is that better way? You know, we say this all the time here at Rockbrook. Salvation is just the starting point of your Christian life. God has so much more that he wants for us than just our salvation. Let's look at this verse, Jeremiah 29 11 through, 11 through 13, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So this is, this is God saying this. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. 
And then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, this is an Old Testament verse, and God is making this incredible promise to the Israelites. You know, the Israelites are his people at this, at this time in history. And, and he's telling them, I have plans to prosper you. I have a hope. I have a future for you. I want to have a relationship with you. But he says this to them when they're in captivity. And what the Israelites don't know is they're going to remain in captivity for 70 more years. It'll be 70 more years before this promise comes to, the Isra- comes to Israel. And for us today, we live on the other side of the cross. You know, we don't, even, we don't have to wait seven minutes, seven days, seven weeks, 70 years. We can have his hope, his future, his plan for us right now. All we have to do is seek him out, call on his name, invite Jesus into our life, and we can have a hope and a future. I want us to look at this next verse, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. It says, let us hold, and this is a New Testament verse, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So here's this idea of a hope and a future. And it says, and let us consider. And that's what we're doing this morning. We're considering. We're weighing out our options. Do I want to do this my way or do I want to do this God's way? God says, I have plans for you. I have a hope and I have a future for you. So he wants us to consider. It says, consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. One another. You know, Christianity is a one another religion. Love one another. Encourage one another. Do good deeds to one another. Pray for one another. Build each other up. But it says, all the more as you see the day approaching. So here's this idea that the kingdom is at hand. There's an urgency to this. We don't have time. So here we are today. New year, 2020. We're at a new starting line, a new starting point. And we have a new hope and a new future ahead of us. That's God's way. But for us to be successful, there's something that we need to do. And Pastor Ryland hit on this a little bit last week. But this something, it's right here in this room. And for some of you, it, 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 depending on where you're sitting, it's in the front of you. It's behind you. It's on each side of you. It's in our dream teams. And it's in our small groups. And that's relationships. One another. You know, when God created Adam, he said to Adam, Adam, it is not good for you to be what? Alone. So he created Eve. God does not want us to go through this life alone. You know, we often think alone is the best plan. But there on your outline, together is God's plan. Together is God's plan. Christianity is a group project. 
And here's the thing, and we know this, together is messy. You know? <laughs> You're a small group leader, you know. <laughs> together makes you vulnerable. Together is hard work. But that's why this verse says, this is, why, this is what God says. He says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know, next on your outline, together isn't easy. Together isn't easy, but it's important. And God says to us, don't give up. Don't give up meeting together because that's my way. That's my way of helping you have a hope and a future. Now, I know there are people in this room that say, I get it. You know, I'm in. I'm, I'm in on this community thing. In fact, I'm in a small group. You know, last semester we had over 900 people in a small group. And this semester, we're going to have 800 plus participating in small groups. And some of you, even this weekend, you know, you're saying, okay, I get it. I'm ready. I'm going to find a small group. But for some of you in this room, you would say that many of my wounds come from other people. And some of you have walled off your life and you'll only let people get so close and then you keep them at bay. And some of you are just, you're introverted. But I want you to hear this because the enemy has a plan. The enemy has a plan and his plan is alone. He wants to keep you isolated. And he'll use that hurt from others to recycle it over and over and over in your head so you won't get together with people. He doesn't want you to find healing. You know, we find healing, we find freedom when we get in relationship with other people because that's God's way. That's how he does it. That's how he helps us to heal. And he'll use that fear of community to keep you isolated. But 1 Peter says, he, Satan, is like a lion who is prowling around looking for someone to devour. Now, I just read this article this week, a family of six was hiking in California in a park, and their three-year-old had gotten up in front of the dad. And out of nowhere, this mountain lion jumps out and grabs in its jaws this three-year-old by the neck. And the dad takes off his backpack, throws it at the mountain lion, and the mountain lion runs off. And we've all watched the Discovery Channel, National Geographic, you know, what do the lions do? You know, they don't go after the herd. They go after the one that's separated from the herd. They go after the young. They go after the sick. They go after the old. They go after the one that's isolated. And just like that three-year-old, we need others in our life to protect us. We need to be part of a herd. You know, if you're new to the Christian faith, you need to be around some mature believers to help you, to guide you, to help you live God's way. If you're sick physically, mentally, emotionally, you're struggling with a sin, man, you, you need people who will encourage you and, and pray for you and, and help you to find freedom. You know, when, when um, I became a Christian, I lived with this secret, and it was intense, and I was ashamed. And... Um, I put on this mask because 
before I became a Christian, pornography was a huge part of my life. And now I'm a Christian, and I'm around other Christians, and I'm thinking, man, I can't let them know that I'm struggling with this stuff. But then um, a man invited me to a men's small group. And at the time, I was in construction. These guys were in construction. And these guys were opening up their lives. They were sharing their struggles with one another. And so I took a leap of faith, and I shared my secret, and it broke that lie. And in that instance, I just felt this, this freedom, this burden lifted off of me. And they helped me to start living God's way. You know, right now we have something very unique going on in our culture. More people are connected than ever before because of social media. And at the same time, they feel more alone than they've ever felt before. You know, a couple of articles I read just this week. It says, modern family spends just five hours per week with their kids. Uh, another survey, loneliness is on the rise and younger workers and social media users feel it the most. Do you know the UK has a minister of loneliness? That's how bad it is. You know, together is not always easy, but real relationships is God's way. Next, there on your outline, together takes a choice. You know, I love choices. You know, a choice gives us a new starting point, a new line. But nobody can make that choice for you. You have to make the choice. And as a church, we do everything we can to facilitate getting together. And that's why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's why we have a dream team. That's why we do men's events, women's events, serve day. And most importantly, that's why we have small groups. You know, Last week, we told you to go and preview our groups. And this week, I want to encourage you to pick out a couple of groups. Contact the leaders. Pray about which group you want to commit to for this summer. Just test drive it for a, 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 I mean, for a semester. Nobody says you have to stay in that group. Our leaders understand that. You know, most of our groups are going to start meeting February 2nd or after but small groups are how we get together here at Rockbrook. We are a church of small groups. We are always going to have small groups. And our desire for this church is that everyone that calls themselves a member it belongs to a small group. Because we believe that is God's way. You know, and if you're new to small groups or new to Rockbrook or maybe you're, you're introverted, uh, I would encourage you to consider one of our special interest small groups. I believe these small groups can help you to take that next step into getting into relationship, getting connected to people here at Rockbrook. So we have uh, a special interest group would be a group like Refit. So we have Refit here at Rockbrook. These are a group of ladies that exercise. And, but in that group, they share prayer with one another, they share scripture together, and they encourage each other, they take care of each other. We have another group of ladies that it's called Cards of Encouragement. So when you fill out a prayer request, uh, we use those cards that those ladies make to send, send them out to, to people that are in the hospital, struggling, those kinds of things, to encourage them. Um, we have Financial Peace University groups starting up. Um, we have a Growth Track small group starting up. 
We have, um, this one is a new one, and I'm excited about this, and we have a foundations group starting up. Um, and, and, and this is a great group. I, in fact, I, I'm going to encourage my small group leaders to, if they can, get into this group also, because it's just basic Christianity, it's basic theology, and in the foundations group, uh, they're going to go over um, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible. And so I want to encourage you to, to, if you're new, if you're visiting, if you're an introvert, those would be great groups to consider, a special interest group. And we'd like to see more of these types of groups. You know, we want as many hooks in the water as we can to get people together. You know, so do you have a hobby? Do you have a passion? You know, what are you good at? Turn that into a small group. You know, gather, some, gather the people together you're already gathering with, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors. I'm not asking you to add more people to your life. I mean, we're all busy, but you're probably grouping with somebody and say, hey, let's get together, let's do this. Let's pray with, for one another, share Scripture with one another, and if one of us is struggling, let's help one another, and let's help us develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, to start a small group, this Sunday afternoon, we're doing step four, join a team. And if you have an idea, something you want to do, I'll be there and and we'll talk about that small group. And we'll do small group orientation and and we'll get it off the ground. You know, our, our goal here is to have a variety of groups that meet on a variety of different days at different times over all kinds of different topics and activity so that we can reach all kinds of people Why? Because we know that relationships matter. It's God's way. We need to get together. So when we get together in our groups, what does that look like? I mean, that's a fair question. And so I want to spend the rest of our time taking a look at at what it looks like when we join a group, what, what we want to happen there. You know, the win for our small groups is not the number of people in that group. A really, really, really small group is a win. Jesus said, where two or more of you gather, there I am with you. What matters is is the relationships that we build with one another. Our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with each other. You know, the curriculum or activity are tools that we use to develop those relationships. And I just want to stop here and I want to give a shout out to our small group Leaders, these men and women are doing an amazing job of getting this church together. They're opening up their homes, they're opening up their lives, they're encouraging people, they're praying for people. You know, they're getting our adults, our students, and our kids together. And as Rockbrook, as Rockbrook Church's small group pastor, there is a culture I would like to see us cultivate in our small groups. And you've probably heard this stuff before, so today I want to share it in a little, in a little bit of a, a different way by using the life of David. And these same principles, because they're God's way, they'll work in any relationship, not just small groups. And, uh, you know, David's life is found in the Old Testament, and many of you know David through the biblical story of David and Goliath. But one of the significant things about David is that he started from the bottom. He was the youngest of eight brothers. And, you know, his parents didn't expect much from him. 
You know, they, they were focused on the old, older brothers. You know, they had eight kids, and they're thinking, you know, this kid runs through the living room. They're like, who are you? You know, David who? But David spent most of his young life isolated. He was a shepherd. He spent most of his time out in the field, all by himself, surrounded by sheep. And you would never expect later in life David being known as a warrior, as a poet. You know, he wrote most of the Psalms in the Old Testament. Um, he, he was a king. He became a king. But there's something else that's very significant about David's life. Let's look at this. It's in um, Acts 13.22. It says, after removing Saul, he, meaning God, made David their king. And God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So God says, man, this, this guy, David, he's really special. He's really special to me. He is a man after my own heart. He will do anything I ask him to do. So that begs the question, how does David go from a shepherd to a man after God's own heart? And the answer to that is people. David had cultivated an environment in his life where he allowed other people to come into his life and to speak into his life. And when we study David's relationships, we discover the kind of relationships we should be looking for in our own life and the, the kind of uh, person we need to be for those that we're in relationship with. And I would love to see us to develop these relationship characteristics in our small group. So let's, let's start. Let's look at 1 Samuel 16, 12 through 13. It says, Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel. So Samuel is the first guy that, that God sends to David. And David, or Samuel is a famous prophet. David is a young man. And God speaks to Samuel and says, I want you to go to David and I want you to anoint him. Look at the rest of this verse. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. By anointing David... Samuel is calling out the best in David. He's calling out the best in David. He's saying, David, there is something very special about you. And he does it in the presence of his brothers. Because up until this time, nobody had, had spoken to David's life. Nobody had called out the best in David. He was the youngest of eight. His parents you know, really weren't paying much attention to him. He was isolated out in the field. And then here comes Samuel and says, Samuel, I'm calling out the best in you. I'm anointing you today. And then it goes on to say, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. You know, who wants the power of the Lord's Spirit to be with them? I, mean, I do. But how does that happen? Well, it, it, God is going to put the Spirit of the Lord in the person who's after his heart and does what he wants them to do. So if, if I want the Spirit, I have to be living the best life that I can live. And I know, personally, I can't do that on my own. I need other people to help me. So on your outline there, uh, when we get together, we call out the best in each other. And, and for a lot of us, we have plenty of people in our lives telling us what we don't do right. 
There's plenty of haters out there. And guess what? Haters are always going to hate. But we need to be looking for opportunities in our small group, in our relationships, to speak over somebody, to bring out the best in them. You know, some people have been ignored their, their whole life. They've had people telling them, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not talented enough. And they need someone to come along and breathe life into them. Encourage them to build them up, not tear them down. I want you to listen to this closely, especially if you're a young person in this room. For some of us, we need to remove some people from our life. We need to remove some people for our life, from our life and add some godly people to our life that will speak into us and bring out the best of us in us so we can live God's way. You know, maybe you're dating somebody and they're a negative influence on you. You need to say goodbye. You know, maybe it's at work. You know, you can't fire that person, but you can stop getting together with them. You can stop getting together with them at lunch and around the water cooler and after work. You know, I would not be here today if it weren't for the the people on staff, for the friends and the mentors that I've developed in this church, from the small groups that I've been in and from the small group that I'm in now. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You know, we need to surround ourselves with people who call out the best in us. Number two, when we get together, we call out to God for each other. We call out to God for each other. Back to David's story. He's anointed, but he hasn't become king yet. There's already a king. His name is Saul. And David does his best to respect and serve Saul. But like we just read, God has anointed David. In fact, Saul has disobeyed God, and so God has removed his anointing away from Saul, and he's given his attention to David, and Saul recognizes this. And so this causes some tension between Saul and David. So at this point in David's life, he's, he's living some, uh, some real intense moments. 1 Samuel 23, 15 through 16, it says, While David was at Horish in the de- desert of Zeph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. Saul's trying to kill David. And then it goes on to say, And Saul's son, Jonathan. So here's the second person that God sends into David's life. So David has a Samuel, now he has a Jonathan. And I don't want you to miss something here. You know, David had created this environment where he let people into his life. But God is also sending these people into David's life. So let me ask you this. Who is missing out because you won't get together with others? Who is not being blessed because you're not there? You matter. You matter more than you know. You matter to God and you matter to the people in this church. And Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in, in God. You know, David is facing a difficult time. King Saul is trying to kill him. And God's plan for us is that we don't go through the hard stuff in life alone. You know, one, one of the things about small group, if you're having a good day, we want to celebrate that with you. But if you're having a bad day, we want to pray for you. We want to stand with you. 
You know, more often than not, what matters most are not the words that we say. It's that we're just present and we're listening when somebody's in a crisis. That's one of the most powerful things that we can do. You know, and sometimes we wonder, where is God in our darkest moment? Where is He? And and we don't realize that He's right there. He's right there through the people that He has surrounded you with. And they're there to give you strength. We need to let them in. But we at Rockbrook don't want anyone to go through life alone. That's why we stress small groups so much. That's why they're so important to us. Look at this verse. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So when we gather, we call out the best in each other. We call out to God for each other. And, And thirdly, we call out the truth in each other. We call out the truth in each other. Back to David's story. So King Saul is no longer in the picture. Now David is king. He has power, which we all know sometimes can be dangerous. And David makes this terrible decision. The Israelites are at war, and typically the king will go to war with his troops. And as we just talked about, King David was a warrior, so he wasn't afraid to go to war. He was known as a warrior, a mighty warrior. But he's kind of gotten comfortable with this king thing. So he decides to stay at home instead of go to, go to battle. So one day he's in his castle up on the roof and he looks out and there's this beautiful woman taking a bath. And he calls for, for her. He sleeps with her and he gets, gets her pregnant. And he learns that her husband is one of, one of his greatest command, commanders in his army. So David... David tells this commander, I want you to go to the front line of the battle, and he does this intentionally because he wants to kill him. So David just keeps making things worse, and that's how it is oftentimes for us. You know, when we're in the middle of a mistake, we're in the middle of a sin, we just keep making things worse, one one bad decision after another. We're blinded to it. But we need people to call out the truth in our life, 2 Samuel 12, 1, it says the Lord sent Nathan to David. So here's another person in David's life, Nathan. Nathan is a prophet who comes to David, and David is blind to his sin. Things just keep getting worse, and Nathan confronts David. He tells, he tells David a story about a, a situation that's very similar to what David's doing. And David, after hearing this story, he gets he gets infuriated he gets angry he's mad he's saying this guy needs to be punished and Nathan says to David he says David this isn't a true story this is a hypothetical story and let's look at 2nd Samuel 12 7 then Nathan said to David you're the man you're the man in that story you're busted God wants you to come clean and in that moment Nathan breaks David. David confesses his sin and God forgives him of his sin. But David's brokenness came because a friend was willing to speak truth into his life. And if a man after God's own heart can blow it, so can we. If we're not careful, we'll be blinded to our mistakes, blinded to our sin. We need people in our life who will call out the truth in us. You know, small groups are a place to find godly people 
who will speak truth into your, into your life. We need, we need people in our life that will say, hey, I forgive you. God forgives you. Come on. There's a better way. There's a better way. And that's what I love about God's way. God always provides a way out. He always provides a way out if we just do it his way. An open rebuke is better than a hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. So when we get together, we call out the best in each other. We cry out to God for each other. We call out the truth to each other. And that's what we want when our small groups gather. So it's time for us to get together in 2020 because that's God's way. Now, as we wrap up this sermon series, we've been talking about all, the, all these things we've been talking about are getting you ready for 2020, getting you ready for a future. And, and the thing about God is he tells us he has plans for, for a hope and a future, but he doesn't fill in all the blanks. And the future can be scary. But I love this, this quote by Corey Tinboom. It says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, it is so clear in your word that it's time to get together. It is your plan. We know it isn't easy, but we are making the choice today to do it your way. Help us to remove the distractions that keep us from committing to gather with other believers. Heal our wounds we have received from others so we can trust people again. And Father, I pray that our small groups that are starting soon, I pray that they will be in an environment where we call out the best in each other, cry out to God for each other, and call out the truth to each other. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.